0: What are you here for? Why do you want this job? It's a frequent question at job interviews. But if we were honest when we answer that question, we'd probably say something along the lines of, well, I've got bills to pay. Um, This isn't my ideal place of work, but uh, you're the best I can get right now, I hope. Um, You're you're all that's available, and, and so I'm settling for your company. But how do we actually answer? Well, uh, you know, I I really believe I can contribute to this company. I believe in its value. I believe in its vision and its goals. And, And if we're really keen about the job, we may actually look those up and figure out what they are so we can include them in our answer. But companies ask this because they want to know what you're all about, they want to know what drives you, who you are. Paul, the writer of the Epistle Lesson to the Corinthians, answered this question a few different ways throughout his life. He answered that question, why are you here? Now, remember Paul, when we first encounter him in scripture in Acts chapter seven, is standing off to the side like a good good friend watching over the cloaks of some men, standing approvingly as they stone to death Stephen, the first Christian martyr for his faith in Christ. Paul, who at that point was known as Saul. And then we see him again down the road as he's walking the road to Damascus, a little bit further on in Acts, and he has a letter in hand that gives him the right to arrest, to persecute, dare I say even kill, any Christians he finds. If you were to ask Paul at this point in his life, why are you here? What are you here for? He would have said, I'm here to protect the Jewish faith. I'm here to protect it from those who might threaten it, those who might harm it. I am here to do whatever needs to be done. I am zealous for Yahweh, the God of Israel. In his own words from Philippians chapter 3, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Faultless. He saw himself as the protector of the Jewish faith, willing to do whatever was necessary, even to the point of killing those who he perceived were a threat. But on that road to Damascus, letter in hand, he encountered the risen Lord. Was thrown off of his horse and a voice cried out to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Came his reply. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. That day, that moment, everything Changed for Paul. See, God took Paul, that is, Saul, and remade him. See, we're told in Acts that he was remade for a purpose. Jesus said that Paul was to be his instrument, to glorify his name to the Gentile peoples, to proclaim him before their kings and rulers, and to glorify his name to the people of Israel. Paul was no longer defined after that day, by his obedience to the law, by his, his title as a, a Pharisee, by the things that had driven him in the past. No, that day, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, changed his entire life. If Paul were to answer that question again after that day, why are you here? He would say, I am here because I want to be all things to all people in order that some might be saved. Paul, the the Hebrew of Hebrews, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the one who was righteous before the law, ready to persecute any, anyone who would oppose him or oppose the Jewish faith, was now willing to be whatever it took to reach the loss. To the Jews, he would become like a Jew so that some Jews might be saved. To the Gentiles, he would become like one of the Gentiles so that by all means possible, some of the Gentiles might be saved. To those under the law, though he was no longer under the law, he would become like one under the law so that the gospel might get a hearing. He was willing to do whatever it took so that the good news of Jesus Christ that transformed his life could be heard. In fact, in his own words in today's epistle lesson, he says he is compelled by the gospel to proclaim this message, to speak this truth so that others might hear and come to know this message that transforms hearts and lives, not just on the last day, but on this day, every day. Paul, who for so long had defined himself as a member of the Pharisees, part of the club of insiders, trying to protect what he had, was now determined to be part of a kingdom movement, sharing all that he had received with anyone who would hear. Anyone who would listen to the message he had to give. The message that offers hope for today. That changes not just tomorrow, but this moment for each and every one of us. Why are you here? It's a question we get asked at interviews. But it's also a question every organization must ask itself. Why does this company exist? Why are we here? If it's a for-profit company, then then it's to meet this particular need of the client with this product or service so that we might make money for our CEO or our shareholders. If you're a nonprofit, then it's to meet this particular need in this community with this service for these people. But every company has a clear purpose and vision. They have a clear spot where they're focusing on a clear thing they're trying to achieve. And that's what guides what they do. But something happens over time. Companies can lose focus. It happens when you've existed for a long time and you start to do other things that don't serve your purpose or your mission or your vision. And then just like in that image, like if I took my glasses off, right now I can see all of you clearly. But now you're all a little bit of a a fuzzy blur. And that's what happens. If you start to focus on things that are outside of your purpose or your vision, then everything gets a little fuzzy. You start to do things that, that don't drive forward your vision your mission, your purpose of the organization. In fact, it starts to be self-defeating because you're doing things that aren't your skills, that aren't what you're suited to do. And for many companies, when they lose focus and do those things, that's actually what leads to their demise, to their failure. See, in the church, we need to ask that very same question. What are we here for as a congregation? Why do we exist? Are are we here to simply serve ourselves, to serve one another within the body of Christ, as if we're part of an exclusive golf club membership that no one else is allowed unless they pay their dues? No. So are, are we here to meet the needs only of our community, like some government agency provided to take care of some issue? No. But I think we all know that. We're here for everyone. We understand that truth, that we're really here to reach the needs and to meet the needs of those outside of our community, to reach them with the gospel message of Jesus Christ as we build one another up, as we lift one another up within this community. But there's a problem that happens. See, there's a reality that as a congregation, it's important that we repeatedly... As a congregation, if we don't intentionally focus on those outside the church, we won't focus on them at all. Maybe you've heard this turn of phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Now, don't be insulted. I'm not trying to call you a squeaky wheel. Actually, in some ways, I am. Uh, see, your concerns, your issues, your desires, what you want to see happen, uh, what your needs, They're heard. They're easy to know. Why? Because you're the ones sitting in this pew. You're the ones who are here. You're the ones who I see each and every Sunday as you walk through those doors. That doesn't mean that those concerns, that those issues aren't valid, that they aren't legitimate, that they aren't worth attending to. They certainly are. But the needs of those outside of the congregation, outside these four walls, they aren't heard. Why? Because they're not here. So unless you and I speak for them, unless we speak up for them and bring those issues, those concerns up again and again, they'll never get heard. We'll always attend to our own needs first if we don't prioritize those outside the church. We may say we will. We may have good intentions. We may even say that that's what we want to do. But unless we actually make it a priority, unless we we let that lead every conversation we have in a meeting, every discussion we have about the agendas we're seeking to push forward, it won't happen. By default, we'll focus on ourselves first, and we'll put the needs of others on the back burner, and we'll never get around to them. We'll never get around to reaching out with the gospel to those who aren't connected to Christ. To those soldiers and those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who need that message that transformed Paul's life and that would transform our lives. That message simply will not be spoken. See, that's what Paul understood. That the, that's why the church is here. That the church exists primarily for those outside of the church. See, as we gather here together, as those who have already been claimed as part of the church, as we build one another up in love and in Christ likeness, we begin to love what God loves, to care about what God cares about. And in Luke nineteen ten, Jesus tells us exactly what that is. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for those who are hurting those who are broken, those who are spiritual wanderers, those who feel like there is no hope left. God came for those people. And so as a congregation, what are we here for? I pray that we're here to connect those who are far from Christ to that saving gospel message, that good news that transforms each and every day of our lives, that gives us hope that does not fail And that continues to move in us. However, permit me for a moment to get a little more personal. What are you here for? Why are you here today? Why are you a member of St. John Lutheran Church? Why are you a member of the church as a whole? Are you here to be served? To have your felt needs met? Or are you here to share the gospel news of Jesus Christ, the good news that has transformed your life to be built up and then sent back out to share that with all who would hear? Are you here to be part of a club that protects what you've already been given, what you have received? Or are you here willing to go out and share the good news, to give whatever it is to become, whatever is needed, so that by all means possible, some might be saved? See, I I believe that you're here to be a part of the Jesus kingdom movement that gathers others into the incredible gospel promise that you have received. You're here to share the good news. You're here to be filled back up and sent back out as God's people. See, you're not those people just as described who are going to hide their lamp under the shade or in the house. You're not going to hide it so that only the members within the church can see. You're going to go out into the world and let your light shine, that others might see your good deeds and glorify our heavenly Father, that they might come to see that truth and that by all means possible, some might be saved. And so I pray that we as God's people would seek to be like Paul, all things to all people, sharing that gospel message, That means that there is hope wherever you find yourself today. That there is grace. That there is forgiveness wherever you are. That this gospel is not just good news for the last day, but just as it transformed Paul's life on the Damascus Road, that it could transform your life and the lives of those in our community today, here, and now. So go out and let your light shine. Because that's why you are here. Amen.